And so I've been pretty effusive in my praise of the Detroit Lions. I have said repeatedly that outside of the Kansas City Chiefs, no team had a better ending to their season than the Detroit Lions. They went out there. They were they were fun. Everybody loved them on hard knocks. Everybody rooted for them. They loved Dan Campbell. You also have, you know, eliminating the Green Bay Packers, which was huge, and everybody enjoyed that. And so we celebrate them. We're like, way to go, Lions. Great job by you. And now all of a sudden, Lions fans are now rolling into Bears Twitter. And I'm not talking about the kid who shows up here every week. He's been cool. We've seen him all year. But now you guys are coming in and taking shots, calling the Bears a poverty franchise, acting like you have been the Green Bay Packers for the last 30 years, running the North, doing all this stuff. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I love what you did last year. You have a good roster. You're building through the trenches. But at the same time, I will caution every Lions fan because you know what? This is the way the Bears felt heading into the 2019 season. Even though we did not go or win the Super Bowl, we were we played host. No, we were on the road against Green Bay, right? Yeah. But in any event, 2019, we're like this. Oh, we got it. Team's coming back. Mitch Trubisky is going to take a step forward. This team's going to win some games, and it was awful. Playoffs, I think. I barely remember. That's what it is. So the difference between winning and losing is so fine in the NFL. That if I was a Lions fan right now, I uh, I would I would chill out. I would be a little bit more respectful. But in any event, let's talk about the Bears and Sammy. Let's go ahead and start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. Big show coming up for you here tonight. We are just about, what, nine days away from the NFL draft, and a lot of things are going crazy at some point, we'll be joined by our co-host, Carmen Vitale, but she is taking a, a uh, she'll be with us just momentarily, but that's fine. We can start. I know it's rude, but it's like when, you, when, when you're, at a, you're at a dinner and somebody's on the road and they're like, listen, you guys go ahead and start without me. Uh, you do your thing. You go ahead. Don't worry about me. Whenever that happens, I'm always the guy who's like, okay, I, I dig in. Empanadas, papoose, whatever. I don't care. I'll start eating. We got pizza. I'm going to grab one of those Hawaiian slices right now and get after it. So uh, we will be joined by Carmen in a matter of moments. We uh, appreciate her continued support and uh, what she brings to the show. So she'll be along shortly. What is happening? Oh, my gosh. There it is. Okay. The frame got different. Uh, I will say there's a couple of notes going around right now uh, in regards to the Chicago Bears. Sort of in regards to the Chicago Bears. I don't know if you saw this today, but Allen Robinson Looks like he is going to be the newest member of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Rams and Steelers, finalizing an agreement to send him to Pittsburgh pending a physical. If everything goes according to plan, as it is expected to do, Allen Robinson is going to be a member 
of the Pittsburgh Steelers joining Mitch Trubisky and Anthony Miller. And I believe the Steelers signed Cody Parkey. No, they did not. They did not sign Cody Parkey, but they might as well have Matt Nagy, the new offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm kidding. None of that is happening. But in any event, Allen Robinson going to the Pittsburgh Steelers, I, I, I dig this move. I dig this move for Allen. I don't know if I told you guys this a couple of weeks ago, but Allen Robinson was in the NFL Network studios. He was part of the uh, – not career day is not the proper way to put this. I think it's called a broadcast boot camp. And we had a lot of – actually, it was really cool. We had a lot of people – uh, Allen Robinson was there. There was, uh, Chris Myers was there, by the way, Chris Myers walked up and I don't know. I've listened. I, I grew up watching sports. We know who Chris Myers is. Huge thing. He comes up to me. He's like, Hey, Adam, how's it going? I'm like, Hey, Chris Myers. Good to meet you. I want like, but he acted like he just knew me. I didn't have to introduce myself or anything. It was great. We had Jacob Ullman was in there. He's, uh, from Fox sports, obviously. Uh, my friend Marcus Smith, who works for ESPN, we had everybody like it was all sorts of people in there. Uh, it was really a cool event. And of course, Alan Robinson, the Dominican Sioux was there. Some other NFL players. I don't know if I should be spilling this. Like, I, I, I just thought about this. Like, should I have been telling everybody? Uh, whatever. I met Alan Robinson. Super cool. And I went up to him and I go, Alan, I go, hey, I go, uh, hello, sir. Uh, my name is Adam. And he's like, Adam Rank. And I'm like, oh, what's up, Alan Robinson? I said, listen. I don't care what your uniform is. I'm always going to be one. You're always one of my guys. I don't care who you play for. I'm not Green Bay. Then I would, I'm going to have to turn my back. Like Paulie at the end of uh, Goodfellas when he gives Ray Liotta the money. And uh, he's like, hey, I here you go. Now I got to turn my back on you. By the way, Ray Liotta, Cocaine Bear. I've been going back and forth on this all weekend. You should probably see it. But in any event, so I met Allen Robinson. He's cool. It looks like he's going to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's kind of unusual because the Pittsburgh Steelers are always one of those franchises that does a great job of drafting wide receivers. And then they send them out into the wild and let them go. And of course, you know, the Chicago Bears acquired Chase Claypool this year. And everybody's talking ass on us because it ended up being the 32nd pick in the draft. And it's essentially a first round. It's not. It's just not because the biggest part of, of, of being a first round pick is you've got that fifth year option. Your name's announced on Thursday night. That's different than a guy whose name is announced on Friday night. But it's interesting to see that Pittsburgh Steelers acquiring a wide receiver in a trade instead of going after one of the one of the many wide receivers who will be available this year in the NFL draft, which leads me to believe or I just got, I just start wondering, like, what do the Steelers know about this? about this draft class of the wide receivers is Hank Dell tank Dell. Is he not the guy that we think he is? Who's the guy from Mississippi? I love, I've been watching him as a matter of fact, you go to my Instagram stories right now. There was a pretty good little breakdown uh, of what he's been able to do. I'm curious now, like what are, what do the Steelers know? If they're looking like the Steelers do such a nice job of drafting wide receivers that the fact that they're trading for Allen Robinson I'm now starting to grow a little bit concerned. Are they in a position where they feel like they need to win now? Because I think it's a great move. I think Allen Robinson still has a lot to offer the uh, the the NFL and the people uh, and everybody that's, uh, you know, he's still a good wide receiver. Despite what happened with Los Angeles last year, I still believe, and even though a lot of it's not his fault, the Rams as well, you know, they lost Matthew Stafford. That was kind of a down year. They had some problems on the offensive line. Maybe the Steelers realize they have to address a lot of their issues 
on the offensive line as well. And so it's interesting to me to see the Pittsburgh Steelers active in acquiring a veteran wide receiver, but I'm glad for Allen Robinson. I hope he goes out there and he goes, and I hope he kills it. And needless to say, I'm going to go out there in my fantasy drafts and I'm going to be picking Allen Robinson because I always do. And it'll be one of those things. And uh, like I said, I told him to his face, he will always be one of my guys. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to continue with that. And so uh, I appreciate him being so cool. And it was a lot of fun. In any event, uh, joining us right now is our co-host who is joining us here. And uh, she is from foxsports.com doing a great job. Carmen Vitale, how are are you living? Uh, I'm good. I'm sorry I'm late. I was also fighting uh, LA traffic because I just got off at Twitter Spaces with Fox Sports talking about the draft. So I am, I'm, I'm just a talking machine today. It's going to be great. All right. That was uh, Fox. I'm warmed up. I'm warmed up. So you're ready. Okay. You're fired up. You're ready to go. Um, I know that you missed it while you were in transit and uh, I'll just, I'll set this up for you again because it bears repeating. We've been very effusive in praise of the Detroit lions. Some of their fans, not all of them, some of their fans getting a little bit, a little bit over their skis, so to speak. They uh, they're sitting there at American Coney dog ordering too many hot dogs. Like your eyes might be bigger than your stomach. Have you noticed? Have you noticed a shift in the tenor of Lions fans? Because now they're 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 almost bullies. Like what what happened? What changed? Oh, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're bullies. They're not all Listen, over the place. They, they're not bullies. They, I think I've talked to quite a few of them actually because people that tell me that they're Lions fans after I talk about the Lions, yeah. and I want to know every single time. Are you buying into this team? Is that what has you? And because they've been burned, just like Bears fans have been burned, we kind of yeah. have followed a very similar narrative arc. Yeah, uh, as, as teams and franchises go. So, but every single time I get a line, I ask the Lions fan this. It's yeah, dude, I, I'm there. I know I shouldn't be. This team has hurt me so many times. But I'll be darned, damned, whatever, if uh, if I don't believe in them this year. And you know what? I think there's a good cause for that. There's good there's good cause for that. I think that not only did they come into the offseason with so much momentum, given that week 18 beatdown of the Green Bay Packers, but they have two first-round picks yeah. left over from the Stafford trade that just keeps giving. So not only are you in this great position, you've got a pretty – well-built team, young team with a young core. You've got great coaches. You've got great team chemistry. You've got great culture. And you were right on the cusp of a playoff berth last year. And you have two first-round picks. Yeah. Like, and they've they've shown to have made really good decisions in the draft up until this point. Brad Holmes has certainly been I, I i would say he's one of the more underrated gms at this point uh with what how he works with dan campbell the picks that he's made the production they've gotten out of young players so it is only up from here and lions fans i just i really hope that you don't get lit down this year again like the 2019 chicago bears which is the example that i showed them but you know what i don't want to i don't want to be i don't want to be so adversarial uh, until both the Bears and the Lions have been battling head to head for a couple of years, then we can hate each other. Now we're sort of this like, eh, let's just let's just go about. Let's, let's everybody just agrees to hate the Packers. That's, yeah, let's that's what happy. everyone in the North agrees on. Yes, 
We need to find a new common enemy at some point, and hopefully it's the Bears. Maybe it's the Lions. I see both teams. I I see both teams being very competitive this year. I see Minnesota stepping back, and I see the Lions. I I think they'll be good. I've also given up on the dream that Jalen Carter is going to be there at number nine. Just I just can't. I I want to believe, and I've talked myself into it being the right thing for the Bears, and then at the same time being like, there's no way he's not going to get past it. I know we've talked about this, like. Seattle, that's just too much to ask. So, okay. I, I, I was just talking about this, actually. I, I do want to touch on this for one second. I know we've talked about it before. But there is, from people I've talked to around the league, I've wow. asked about the concerns about Jalen Carter, right? Yeah. And if the legal issues are, if he's clear of the legal issues, and for all intents and purposes, it seems like he is. But, and this is just a, maybe a testament to the way the NFL works, that's not team's biggest issue with him. Right, yeah. Their biggest issue with him is was on perfect display at his pro day where, listen, the combine got interrupted because he had to go back to Georgia and, and deal with the criminal charges and all of that. The pro day was his chance at redemption. And what does he do? He comes in overweight. He doesn't finish the drills. Yeah. And now we're seeing all of these red flags popping up about how he doesn't work hard. He takes plays off. He's not a good teammate. And that, I think, are the bigger red flags with him. So that to the point where if he gets past the Seahawks, if he gets past the Lions, do the Bears even want him at that point? Yeah. I still think he goes in the top 10. So the answer is still probably yes. But don't be surprised if in the long term, this doesn't end up working out or he doesn't live up to expectations because he's having a tough time adjusting to the NFL life off the field. We know the talent is there, but he has to go into a very solid, very secure, very unique situation where you have all the culture, you have the coaches, you have the leadership. And if I'm being honest, I don't know if the bears have that quite yet. We don't know who the leaders on this team are because we don't know what this team in its final form is going to look like. Whereas a team like the Seahawks, a team like the Lions, have established leaders, have established leadership, and have at least a head start on the Bears in building their culture. Yeah, that's, I was, what I, that's all I wanted to say. I keep going back to the Seattle Seahawks bringing back Bobby Wagner for this exact reason that perhaps, and not not saying that it's it's Jalen Carter specific. But being able to like realizing how good they are and saying, oh, well, even if Bobby Wagner is not the player that he was 10 years ago, what he means to this franchise and what he means in the locker room far outseeds what we're going to what we're going to lose by having him on the field. And I don't think that he's lost that much on the field anyways. So I think that Seattle and I've said Detroit also fits into this mix. Leave us alone, Lions fans. I've said nice things about you. I've not said a bad word until I was forced into it. But I I feel like both, and we've said this plenty of times, like both those teams have great cultures. And again, I know that Chad Ryder was here and he was talking about like, oh, the Bears can't pass on a talent like that. And it always makes sense when people say this, like, of course, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. But at the same time, it's like, well, if these two teams don't want to do it and Matt Eberflus is kind of exceeded and succeeded uh, with these guys who aren't necessarily a, like like the, the highest end players of all time. I mean, I know that Shaq Leonard turned out to be really good, but it's like, maybe, maybe we, uh, maybe, maybe we do look another way. And I'm going to, I'm going to jump ahead here. Uh, I don't know. 
I, I want to talk about what Bucky Brooks was saying, but it also leads me to what uh, Peter Schrager today uh, put out his mock draft. And actually, you know what? We'll start with what Bucky said. Um, Bucky Brooks said today, he tweeted this up. Be- uh, Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Based on some of the mind-blowing conversations that I'm having about the 2023 class, the draft is going to be absolutely bananas. By the way, you might want to throw away those mocks you're working on. Uh, hashtag NFL draft. What does this mean? What is, what, what is, what is Bucky saying? Are these guys lying? Is it just smokescreen season? What, 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 is, what does that mean? No, I mean, smokescreen season happens every year. You look at the top of this draft. There are so many possibilities and you can't take anything for granted. You can't even necessarily take for granted Bryce Young first overall. Though I do think that that is the overwhelming 100%. likelihood that is the Carolina Panthers. He's the best quarterback in this draft. Don't overthink it. He's going to go to the Panthers. But beyond that, we could see all actually the way David Hellman and I just did our mock draft, which comes out tomorrow. All six teams are not are not the original teams that were picking in the top six. So if you if you consider that the Bears traded out, yeah. if you consider with the fact that the Lions got that pick from the Rams, and then we had all of this Texans movement, dropping down, the, Texans dropping out, yeah, and and then the Colts moving up and Arizona trading out because it's all going to depend on what the how the teams view these quarterbacks and what happens with quarterbacks at the top of this draft. So. We could be in for a wild for a wild ride from the start. Yeah, yeah, and it all it all comes down to. I mean, honestly, and I put this on. Uh, we we talked about this on Total Access last week. Carolina could just kill the draft. Like if they took Anthony, I don't think they're going to take Anthony Richardson, but if they took Anthony Richardson, that sets a chain event in motion to where either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is guaranteed to go number three, then teams are going to be trading up. That means Arizona is going to be moving out. It's going to be a wild ride. It's, but again, it feels like Bryce young. is going to go. Number one, a quarterback's going number yeah. one. I don't Carolina did not trade up to number one for Jalen Carter. Like that's, or Will Anderson or, Christian, or Christian Gonzalez or any of those guys. Agreed. There seems to be an overwhelming sentiment. And I will say this, Peter Schrager, who is one of the best in the business, uh, you know, he, his, his mock dropped today. I always feel it's very interesting. I think Peter is one of the most dialed in guys in the NFL. His, his mock draft is the exact opposite of mine. Mine is always like, here's what you should do. Peter's is always based on what he's hearing. He has the Texans mm-hmm. as well, trading out of the number two spot. Who like, is it, he has them trading with the Colts. Is that feasible? Like these comp, like a divisional rival, like, is that, I don't know. I, I just feel like that's that's a weird thing to do. I would hate to be like I would hate to be at number nine and the Bears swapping with the Packers because whoever the Packers take at nine, I would be worried about that guy owning the Bears for you know generations. Could that? Is, but is that something that could happen with the Colts and the uh, and the and the and the Texans? If it's the difference between them getting the quarterback they're in love with and not, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that that's a risk that you take for your franchise quarterback. And quite honestly, I think that Jim Irsay is the one in control of this. And he's tired of still trying to make up for losing Andrew Luck unexpectedly. 
which is just insane to think that all these years later, the Colts have still not found an answer for Andrew Luck leaving. And I do think here's the, here's the thing about the Texans too. I think they are motivated in a lot of ways to move out of that second spot. Because if you think about, this is something I thought about the other day. D'Amico Ryans comes from the San Francisco 49ers. Oh yeah. The way the 49ers are built is almost quarterback proof. Now I don't want to gloss over all of the heartache that 49ers fans have incurred given the fact that they have had subpar quarterback play in the biggest moments in their franchise recent history, recent history. But the way that team is built is built around the quarterback to build up a solid team so that it doesn't matter who's under center. Well, if that's all D'Amico Ryan's has known as a coach, is he going to take that same approach or at least be amenable to that kind of approach with Houston? Houston is not going to contend next year regardless, even if they take a quarterback. So now you take a quarter, you, you don't take a quarterback, you build up the team around him, you build this nice little nest for next year's quarterback to come into, and then maybe that's the right course of action. Usually that's a dangerous game to play. But with the Deshaun Watson trade, the Texans have two first round picks next year. Oh my God. So Still? they can move. They can, yes, they can move around the board as they please. They can go up and get Drake May or Caleb Williams. They can go up and get whoever they want next year, regardless of where they're actually picking. So that's why that, that kind of mitigates the risk of waiting on a quarterback, but you can then now have the benefit of waiting for a quarterback class that is thought to be much better than this year. And in that time, with all of the capital you have this year, build up a nice landing spot for this guy. 100%. And, you know, that makes so much sense, too, because, you know, I interviewed Anthony Richardson the other day, and I really like him. Like, I think he's, Mm -hmm. like, I was blown away. I'm like, he's sharp, he's Mm -hmm. funny, a great personality. I think that any team that interviews him is going to be drawn to him as a person. He just hasn't played enough football. And it is too reminiscent to me of what Mitch Trubisky was coming out of North Carolina, a guy who just didn't play for a couple of You're years. You're a man scorned. You're a man no. scorned, Adam. But the, the fact that, you know, he, he started just the one year. It's not like C.J. Stroud has been starting since he was a freshman in high school. Bryce Young. We've seen these guys <laughs> progress all the way from prep to college to now the NFL stage. Anthony Richardson needs to go to a team like the Minnesota Vikings that has Kirk Cousins for at least one more year and let him learn, be behind a good quarterback with a good coach who's an offensive mind. It makes way too much sense. Will Levis also falls into this mix as well. And so there really isn't a lot of like, and then even if you don't love CJ Stroud, I'm with you. And I, I, I love being on this show because I can say Caleb Williams name, and not have a producer in my ear being like, uh, we can't talk about underclassmen who have not declared. I can. I can now. Uh, Caleb Williams, I, with two first-round picks, I would absolutely. I think about this more and more, and I remember uh, looking back at the mock draft that I did. I was like, you know what? I, I, I should change that. I, I wish I could change that, do a second version of it. But I would say, you know what? Take a, take a defender because, you know what? D'Amico Ryans, unlike the previous two coaches in Houston, will actually get more than one season to prove himself. And then when you have a young quarterback, it kind of extends your clock. You're like, oh, well, he's got a young quarterback, so we'll give him even more time to go out and get this all sorted. So I think that it probably behooves them to move down. I mean, watch them end up picking. They could end up having three first-round picks 
next year. It's so insane. Right? Yeah. Houston's Houston's in a really good spot. So that is what uh, Peter Schrager has got going on. He's got the Bears uh, going with the cornerback Christian Gonzalez. And I made this statement a couple of months ago, and it feels like it's big because I would, I would always say it jokingly. Like as much as we're working on mock drafts, I go watch the Bears take Christian Gonzalez. That was always the name I would throw out as a corner. It picks up a lot of steam. I hear it a lot. If the Bears stay at number, I, I just can't see it though. I just and I, I think it's smart to go after the cornerback position. I don't think that we should feel content. I think that in today's NFL, having three good cornerbacks is great. It just would feel so underwhelming to sit there at nine and come up with Christian Gonzalez. I don't know. I had I had actually Devin Witherspoon going to the Bears in my last mock. And I, because I I like Devin Witherspoon more than I like Christian Gonzalez. I think they're both 100%. great players. Absolutely. I think both of those two guys are at the top of the corner class, and then there's a pretty big gap afterwards. Mm-hmm. That being said, yes, you still need another corner, another outside corner, because – Sure, you have Kyler Gordon, but he is better suited for the slot at this point. He learned that position last year for a reason. And you want him to – so he wants to be able to kick inside. Teams play nickel defense more than their base defense packages at this point. So you need two outside corners and a slot corner for most of the game. And if that's the case, which it is, you you need another outside guy. You need a shutdown outside guy. And I think that Christian Gonzalez is a great case too, because keeping up with those receivers in the Pac-12, I know the Pac-12 gets a lot of flack. One thing that you can count on though in the Pac-12 is speed. And that goes for both sides of the ball when you're talking about skill players. So I'm okay with Christian Gonzalez. I like Devin Witherspoon a little bit better. I like the way he plays a little bit better. I think it's a little bit smoother. I think it's going to translate a little bit better right away. But all that being said, I don't think that we should look at that as an underwhelming pick. Again, well, I don't know how many people are going to trade to the top 10. Well, that's, well, that's, uh, but, we'll okay. see. but if Peter has five quarterbacks going in the first 12 picks, including the Titans yeah, taking Hend- taking Hendon hooker. I, re- I believe that if the quarterbacks start flying off the board, yeah, I feel like the bears could be able to move from nine to 11. I don't know if they would need to, if Tennessee, how much they'd be willing, even if, even if you're right. picking up a middle round pick, because whether you get Christian Gonzalez, you still have Devin, uh, Devin Witherspoon, who, by the way, in my mock draft, I had him going fourth overall, or I advised wow. the Colts. Well, because like assuming, like assuming the, um, assuming that the first two quarterbacks go off the board, as you would expect, if I was the Colts and this is, I, w- I would probably say this for a lot of teams, even the Houston Texans, if they, if they trade out of it, I guess it wouldn't matter because if the first two quarterbacks are off the board, I would still advise either the Colts or the Texans at that point, just, just take you, you need a cornerback. And we saw it last year. I guess you're right because sauce Gardner goes top 10, Derek Stingley jr. Goes top 10, top five. Uh, as a matter of fact, so I, I guess, I don't know. I just, I just feel like there's so much that could happen. And we see, you know, the way Howie Roseman does his drafts and the way that the chiefs do their drafts. And it just feels like, and the Bears have already moved down. That perhaps uh, moving down a little bit more is just something. <laughs> I think you brought up the Eagles. I think it'd be interesting uh, for the Bears to play a little bit of rumor mill because if you want, if, if what you want to do is trade out, 
Yeah. And you really want to do that. Quarterbacks aside, I'd start the rumor that the Eagles want B. John Robinson. And oh. you talk, you start talking about teams that now want to jump the Eagles to get him. Yeah. I think B. John makes a lot of sense with the Eagles, but I, history will tell us that Howie Roseman does not value running backs like that. No. However, we just talked about this with uh, Ralph Bacchiano, who is our NFC East writer at Fox Sports. But my thing was the Eagles could use a third receiver. They don't have a running back at this point because Rashad Penny, injury history, and eh, eh, you want to protect your investment in Jalen Hurts and not have him have to run the ball as much. Yeah. Why not get Bijan Robinson, who can do all of that? He can be your third receiver with the yeah. way that he runs routes. He runs routes like a receiver. He That's can be true. your third receiver. He can bolster your run game. I think he makes so much sense for the Eagles. I just don't know if Howard Rosen's going to pull the trigger. But if I'm the Bears and I want to trade out of that spot, I'm going to be like, hmm. Howie Roseman, he might buck the trends that he's set for himself because Bijan Robinson makes too much sense and then see what teams want to come up and, and jump the Eagles for Bijan. Yeah, there's a, and there could that's be just, a that's purely me. I love it. I either that or if Jalen Carter falls all that way, because the Eagles would be another team that I feel has the infrastructure and the, yes, to the support Jaylen. system to take Jalen Carter. So that could be another one too. So uh, there's a lot of variety and a lot of different ways this can go. I know that, and I was talking about this before, if the Arizona Cardinals, or was it Chad Ryder? Actually, it was Chad Ryder on this show. I stole it for total access and tried to pass it <laughs> off as my own. Like, watch out for the Cardinals taking Bajan Robinson. Uh, that's been getting a, That's actually been gaining a little bit of steam, too, because the Cardinals are such a wild card in that they have so much. They need so much. And they need some sort of spark. They do. They need it's something different. Start at the board and they would need something. Like it's like that's such a weird franchise to me because like they've had these highs of going to the Super Bowl, having that nice little run with Kurt Warner there, and then you know, it's not been great ever since. I guess like we're we're ones to talk, but at the same time, like I always that's why I guess like pointing out the Lions and the, the Cardinals, like they're just as bad as we are. We've been having the same amount of trouble, but in any event, I, I think the Cardinals could be somebody in the mix for, for Bijan Robinson, just for a pure athletic standpoint. And again, as Chad was talking about last week of just positionless football of guys who are just right. good football players. I know a lot of that gets blown up and a lot of that's more defensive. Now we see that, but I think offensively it makes I, a lot of I sense. Think it goes, yeah. It I think both. teams stop thinking about receivers. And this is a point that Ralph brought up, but that I've heard as well teams aren't thinking of these guys as receivers, tight ends, and running backs anymore. They're yeah. just all weapons because of the fact that we've started this positionless football and you get these players that are so versatile. You get tight ends that act like receivers. You get running backs that can be receivers. And so now it doesn't matter how that's divvied up and how those skill players are divvied up. It's just a matter of having these weapons. And, yeah. and so does positional value kind of go out the window there when you have positionless players? And I think it's true. They do. It does. No, it's true. And it's also, it, it lends itself to players like Dalton Kincaid, who probably is going to go higher in this draft because of his ability to run the seam, his speed and everything like that. He's technically a tight end. And that only seems to matter in fantasy football now because NFL teams just don't care. They're like, can you go out there and run routes and catch the football? And, you know, a lot of these guys were used to be counted on to block or do things like that, but they just use them differently. It's a shame there wasn't an offensive coordinator for the Bears in the early 2000s who would just be like, well, I don't care if Greg Olson can block or not. 
We need him out there running. Actually, he, they March didn't even use tight ends at all, so that's a bad example. But in any event, uh, we've now reached the uh, the we're we're past the halfway point. We have not taken a question. Let's, let's take a question. Uh, let's uh, let's take a question. I'm sorry to keep it. Gosh, Todd, I'm sorry. I um, Bears fans should be excited for Michael O. I'm not even going to try. I've been seeing his name pop up a lot. What's the read there? Is that somebody, is that realistic? What do you, how, what do you hear? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where I, I need to see it more. And I just think that that's, even if he turns into this great player, yeah, like you can't put a price tag on cornerback depth. That's the thing. And like having more corner, uh, you know, lockdown corners, guys that you can rotate in and out to keep guys fresh. I mean, that is a position where you favor a rotation as much as possible. I just don't think, and especially like given Matt Eberflus's proclivity for defensive backs, like you just, you can't have enough of them and you can't do it. Like you can do so many things with those guys in the backfield with the more versatile they are. And so you can move them around a lot more. So I just, I don't think that that should preclude the bears from, still addressing corner no 100 percent. i um I, again i think that we saw it last year when they drafted kyler gordon and jaquan brisker that the defensive secondary is going to be very important and they put a premium on linebacker this year during the free agency spending and again this is where the lions fans come in calling us a poverty franchise saying that the the linebackers are going to get beaten up because you don't have a defensive line it's like well i mean they do. They brought in some guy. They brought in some depth pieces. And we could also see guys like Dom Robinson develop a little bit more because I was a player who last season, we saw him week one against the San Francisco 49ers. Amazing game. You're like, oh, we found one. And then he kind of disappeared. It's like, well, he's still yeah. learning how to play football. Teams adjusted to him. He now needs to learn how to make the adjustments for himself. Right. Hopefully in year two, right. he starts to grasp that a little bit more. So there are some, listen, it's a, it's a work in progress. And remember, guys do improve from year to year. I think everybody's just assuming, like, they're not the same player they were last year. They have an opportunity uh, to improve. How about another question there, Sammy? Oh, my gosh. Uh, your Skaronsky take on live TV yesterday, Adam. What was your Skaronsky take on live TV yesterday? I, listen, I, uh, they must be rerunning this on the on the NFL Network. So I was on Total Access Thursday and Friday of last week. They run it. I'm sure they they run it a lot. And every time that I see a every time that I see a mock draft, it's Charles Davis or Bucky Brook or whomever it is. Every time I see Skaronsky being mock draft to the Bears, I tell that person to stop it. I said the Bears have their guards. Tevin Jenkins is one of our best players on the offensive line. It's He's not a guard. It's not a guard. Tevin He's not Jenkins. A guard. Tevin Jenkins is it's a, not guard. a guard. Tevin Jenkins is Tevin a guard. Jenkins. He played. Yeah. He played a guard. Fine, fine. But Skaronsky's not a guard. He's a tackle. According to, he's going to prove everyone wrong. He's got a chip on his shoulder, and he wants that. The Ryan Poles model is long arms. He's got a type, and I know that sometimes people buck these trends. Listen, when people go out there and show you who they are, you have to believe them. And I think that there's <laughs> other players. There's other ta- I mean, listen. And this is not, and I, I've said this again. I've said this time and time again. I don't believe that Peter Skaronsky is a bad player. I think he's going to be a very good NFL player. He's going to be fine. 
but you have to also bring in system fit. And I'm just not 100% sold on the fact that he would be a fit for the Chicago Bears. Now, if Ryan Poles disagrees with me, I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit there and be like D plus wrong failed again. I will. If Ryan Poles drafts Peter Skaronsky, I'll be like, that's the greatest pick of all time. Like I'll, I'll, I'll back him up. Like I, I will have no reason to doubt Ryan Poles. I am just saying my conjecture is that given the way that he looks at offensive tackles, that he would prefer somebody with longer arms. That is my thing. I said, listen, go to the Jets. He's from like Skaronsky's from Park Ridge, Illinois, where I was born, that Lutheran hospital right there. He's a Packers fan. Let him go. Let him go fanboy out. <laughs> blocking for Aaron Rodgers in New York. That's fine. He'll be a he'll probably be a pro bowler. It's fine. I just don't think that he fits the Bears profile. That's not to say he's a bad player. Um, I would love for you to have a conversation with Peter's offensive line trainer because I did. Uh, Duke Manyweather is a good friend of mine. And I, I knew I was, I wanted to get him riled up when I was talking to him last. And I asked him about, you know, the short arms thing with Peter and Peter is, has been training with him all off season. He is part of the big boys club. Fox has actually done a feature um, on a few of those guys that are training with Duke right now. And I knew I was going to get him fired up with the, the short arm question. And sure enough, he, I can't even say the words that he said on this podcast, but he said, F that. and he was like, Peter is, but he compared him a lot to, and, and this was the good, this is the point that Duke brought up to me that I really like. And I want to kind of put out there. You don't win a rep with your arms. You win a rep from the ground up and Peter's feet and the way he can anchor and the way he uses his leverage and his hips is so well suited for that tackle position and for that outside position. And he's proved that over and over again in college it's why he is widely considered the number one tackle, tackle prospect in, or the number one offensive line prospect in the draft this year. And with the way that the league values tackles, that doesn't happen unless people think that he translates to tackle. And he does because of the fact of the way that he can use his body weight and his leverage, not to mention. So Duke it kind of likened him again to Rayshon Slater and the fact, you know, that they were teammates and they remind him, he, they remind him of a lot of each other. The way that Peter Skoronsky differs from Rayshon Slater is apparently Rayshon is a lot more chill. He's super laid back. He's super calm. He's just kind of like a vibey type of guy. That is not Peter Skoronsky. Peter Skoronsky is, he has that nasty streak. He is a dog and he is fired up. He wants to shut everyone up that says he's good. He's, he's not going to translate to the NFL level at his natural position. He has a chip on his shoulder and he comes to work every day, borderline angry. Because he wants to make sure that everyone knows that not only is he the best tackle prospect or the offensive line prospect in this draft, but he is going to be one of the best tackles in the NFL. And I will take a guy like that every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So I just want to get that out about Peter Skronsky. Just keep an eye out for draft day when his shirt sleeves are too long. And you're like, why? is Oh, because he'll buy the 34-35 instead of the 32-30. Do you realize how big his arms still are? He's an offensive line. <laughs> These guys are huge. He's he's a big listen. I'm not I'm not even saying that he won't play tackle, but I'm just saying that Ryan Poles would view him as a tackle. 
to my estimation. I Again, think, I, I, can, I, I, I could be I proven wrong. Ryan Poles can be, uh, can be more discerning than that and not let something like arm length deter him from who's going to be a very, very good prospect. But it is, but like they do, but like this is the thing. These general managers do get into the mode of like, I like this type of player. It goes back to like David Montgomery, where we all love him. We love David Montgomery. We think he's a, a wonderful player. He valued he valued him differently than the previous regime or even the Detroit Lions did. And it's not to say that David Montgomery's not good and he's not a good player. He just that's not the player, that's not the profile that he wanted. And I think that that, that could happen with Skaronsky. Again. I would welcome him to the Bears. I would go out there and I would I would probably have to have a Mia Copa. I hope I don't have to, because that'll be awkward. Because I'm gonna have to try to smooth it, smooth it over with the Park Ridge thing. And he's gonna be like, Well, you're the guy on NFL Network calling me a guard. I'm like, I, I was. And uh you can prove me wrong. You can you can prove me wrong. Like, listen, I'll at least I'll come into his face. If he would allow me to get into his face, he'd probably shove me away. And then I would need Bayless Jones to be the mediator uh, to kind of play in between us and be like, hey, can you talk to him and tell him? Oh, I could be a mediator because I'm the one that's been singing his praise. That's true. I mean, that's true. That's true. I don't like that's again, like I've tried to be is like, I think he's a good player. I'm just, I'm just speculating here and I could be wrong. And if I'm wrong and listen, I am not. And this is one of the things that always bugs me about the internet is or just any social media or anything in general it's like when people like if you're wrong like sometimes you can just be like yeah, okay i was wrong like i forget what it was but a couple of weeks ago maybe a couple of months ago i mistakenly thought that killer whales were whales and somebody's like no they're dolphins and i'm like wait are you serious and i looked it up and i'm like oh you're right they are and then the person's like wait you just admitted okay. you're, you're you just admitted you were wrong on twitter that's never happened ever. I'm like, I listen, if I was wrong, I was wrong. I will. I have no problem when I'm wrong. And so similarly, if the bears take him and they're like, he's our right tackle. I'll be like, I hope you make the pro bowl or, or an all pro your first season. So listen, I, uh, I'd be happy to be wrong in any event, or if he goes to the jets and plays guard, that works too. Uh, how about another question? I just had to sneak that in there because I'm terrible. Uh, if Carter, Drops to nine. What does it say about him and the teams that passed on him? And should Poles be the one to roll those dice? You know what? This is, again, this is the conversation that we keep having. And last week when we had Chad Ryder on, he is, his estimation is he's too talented to pass up at nine. Carmen and I, and I again, I don't want to speak for you. We are like, it, it's a little bit of a red flag if the Seahawks and Lions both pass. Like it yeah, is. no, sorry. My my thing my thing froze. Both two things can be true. Yeah. He one thing that he will most likely go in the top ten, and that if he is in the wrong situation, he will not live up to his NFL potential. Both of those things can be true to the yeah. point where he has to go to a team that is strong, solid, and maybe has a few years under their belt with their leadership in order to maximize his NFL potential, not because he, of his talent. His talent is absolutely undeniable and it will translate even at the NFL level. But the off the field issues and the work ethic and adjusting to NFL life, because 
I know with NIL and everything, these guys are already making money. That still pales in comparison to the money they will be making as pros, especially if you are a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. That can be a huge adjustment for a guy that in his early 20s that is out on his own for the first time outside of the structure of college and having, you know, people around that kind of get him from place to place. I mean, that still happens in the NFL, don't get me wrong. I don't know that the Bears are the ones to take that risk because of the fact that they are not solid yet. We don't know what the final form of these Bears looks like. I think if this was maybe a year or two along in the process where you have the established leadership, the coaching staff is, you know, like everything is just very seamless and you have this really, really solid foundation. That foundation is still being built right now for the Bears. Mm -hmm. It's not being built right now for the Eagles at 10. It's not being built right now for the Lions or the Seahawks, especially because, you know, Pete Carroll regime has been there forever. So, again, if those guys pass, I think that it would be really hard for me to be to trust that the Bears could be the ones to get the most out of him right now, unfortunately. For as big of a position need as that is for them, and as talented as he is, Everybody I've talked to is like, listen, the red flags, like the legal issues are pretty much behind him, but there are character issues and those are huge red flags to NFL teams. So he's, he's such an interesting case study just because of so how talented he is. He's not going to drop out of the top 10, but I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being the Eagles that ends up taking him. It is going to be a a pretty interesting. And I can also see it the other way too, where, you know, Seattle and Detroit the values they, there. They might, they might feel like they're so close to the playoffs. Why rock the boat? But again, I still feel like he fits both those cultures and both those teams a lot better. A lot of interesting things coming up in the draft, by the way, I want to let everybody know in the Southern California area, uh, we'll be at rip beer company a week from Thursday, watching the NFL draft. The bears currently drafting at number nine, uh, come down to rip beer company, the PCH location. I'll be hanging out there. We'll probably do a live hit from there after the Bears pick, whether they trade down, stay at nine, maybe they move up and take somebody. Who knows? A lot of ways the Bears can go. Just want to let everybody know that. And also, I forgot to mention this earlier because I just noticed a glimpse of myself and my beard was rocking. You want to know why my beard is rocking? I finally bought a good razor. That's right. I went to manscaped.com and I said, I'm finally going to throw down some real money for a change and get a proper shaver instead of just going out there and buying something from Amazon. So if you go to manscaped.com, Use the code SICKBEAR. It's probably out by now. It's probably too late because we only have the graphic for it. But in any event, uh, I meant to say that earlier. If we're still working with them, if not, it's a terrible... No, I'm just joking. It's a good product still. I'll let everybody know that uh, right now. How about another question, though, Sammy? Uh, do you guys think we should get Tyree Wilson, Paris Johnson, or Bajan Robinson at number nine instead of Carter? I would pass on Bajan Robinson. I don't know. I know that Brian Perez has been talking about this for quite some time. I don't quite buy it. If you were giving me the choice between, let's say Skaronsky goes at eight to the Atlanta Falcons. So we'll, you're not choosing, you're not choosing Paris Johnson Jr. over Skaronsky. I don't know. I, I kind of like, I don't know. I think I would go with Paris Johnson Jr. If I had the choice between those two players. How about you, Carmen? Yeah. I think I'd still go Tyree Wilson. I just think that you need more of a pass rush and I I recognize that you need more help on the interior than you do on the exterior, especially after signing Richie Green. But 
I, you can never have too many pass rushers. And the way that the Bears were abysmal last year in getting to the quarterback yeah. uh, makes me think that that would be some that would be good value too for Tyree Wilson. I mean, for all intents and purposes, we view him as a top ten pick, as a top ten prospect at this point, uh, regardless of what happens with the quarterbacks in this draft. You know, I think that'll that'll determine where he ends up going. But, I, yeah, I think I'm still going to go with Tyree Wilson. Again, for the same reason, though, that I, as much as I'm advocating for Peter Skaronsky, I still believe in the fact that Ryan Poles knows that he can hit on day two and get a quality starter in those late in those mid-rounds, mid-to-late rounds, because uh, he trusts in his evaluation of offensive line prospects. So I don't know that you do go with an offensive lineman, period, whether that's Skaronsky, whether that's Paris jo- Johnson. And maybe you go after a blue chip talent on defense that can rush the passer like Tyree Wilson, because that's more of a lock. Whereas you know that, listen, I can get an offensive lineman anytime, but I might not be able to get a pass. Like the value is, is here for pass rusher. Now you probably, I think you've convinced me. I think Tyree Wilson would be the better. Yeah. Because he is an elite level prospect. That would mean that there's a number of quarterbacks going in the first eight picks that would be four quarterbacks off the board which means you could have you know Skaronsky going you could have uh Tyree Wilson Jalen Carter Will Anderson yeah it would make a lot of sense uh for him to go how about another question Sammy uh oh Bears fan forever 14 uh when do you officially announce this year's schedule or have I been living under a rock I did notice I got the schedule really I got the schedule for the NFL network. I don't know if I should be saying this because I did notice that they have a schedule release show slated somewhere around May 22nd, like whatever the Thursday is somewhere in there. I don't know if that's common knowledge, but I do know that we, uh, I don't know. I probably shouldn't have said that. It, it it used to be uh, mid April is when the schedule would come out. But ever since I think it was COVID honestly, because like working for a team, Schedule release was always a huge thing for us, right? And yeah. all the different ways it's turned into an extreme sport among NFL teams of who can ha- go the most viral with their schedule release yeah. uh, videos and content. And it used to be in the middle of April that that were mid, mid to late April right before the draft. And now, since COVID, it's been pushed to May, and so much so that it's been more mid May when the schedules come out. So you haven't missed it. Uh, it just hasn't run yet. So you have just, not. You gotta wait a few. Like let's let's focus on the draft and then we'll focus on. Believe me, the NFL realized the appetite for schedule release. And so like everything else, it's got to be drawn out. It's got to be made to be pomp and circumstance. And we got to have a eight hour that show. That covers the month of May. You get, yeah, you get I mean, free like, agency in March, draft in April, schedule release in May, mini camps in June. And then July is when training camp starts. So the NFL is every month covered. And that is so on purpose. Oh yeah, believe me. There's you. You will not miss something like the schedule release. They will not allow it yeah. to happen. And there's some guy who works in an office in New York City who makes it seem like it's so difficult. Oh, it's so difficult to put this schedule. No, it's not. Like it could be. You could not. You could. Like I used to work. Well, I worked for NFL Publishing, and I used to put in the college schedules for the Miller Lite Handbook way back in the day. College schedules are built pretty much the same year to year. Like the conference schedules were always pretty much the same. It just flipped home and road every year. And it was just picking those out of conference games 
or the yeah the out of out of out of conference games. The NFL could be like that too. Like I would start like division. The NFL like, is like that. No, they they try to do it. They you try know, to. Steal you know what the division you're playing. You know what. Well, you know that. Okay, you understand that part of it, but it's like you could say you play all your division opponents in weeks four, five, and six, and then yeah, that's true. Seventeen, eighteen, nine, whatever it is now. How many games do they play? Do they still is seventeen games still a thing? They yeah, they're still know. they're still making that. That's the dumbest thing ever. They might as well go to 18. I know Mike Garofalo. I, I, I'm, I'm one of those people that like, you know, like you like odd numbers, even numbers. I actually like multiples of five the most. But yeah. after that, I like even numbers way better. Like, the fact that we have like a, an odd number schedule now, like regular season schedules, just like hurts my brain. Well, you have thir- 32 teams. Oh, I'm alone in that. 32 teams, 16 games. Okay. Like made sense. You know what I'm saying? Like that. Sense. That's math. I think, it made, I think it made sense. NFL players too, because nobody's happy about having to play an extra game. Believe me. And now this year, what they can be on Thursday night multiple times. Yeah, you could be flexed in on a Thursday. No, I don't think that was. You can be I, flexed. I don't think that starts this year. Does it I not think, start this year? I don't. I hope not. The the players have to shoot that down because that's one of the dumbest things ever. Unless it's like horribly it, unsafe. It would if it was me. I would say, and once they go to 18 games, they should play the first four weeks, then a, a universal bye week. And then you start off in week five against your division rival and call it rivalry week. Then you do three weeks of divisional rivals before the bye week starts, another bye week. And then you close with three divisional games. Like that's how it should be. But somebody, I- some guy. I think the Bears fans take for granted, though, like this is coming from someone who worked in the NFC South for a while. Bears fans take for granted that every team has a rival. Like the Bucks don't really have a rival because it just it, like the, the South is very like, I guess the Panthers and the Falcons would say that they have a rivalry. No, Saints and, see, Saints and, Saints and Falcons makes more sense to me. Saints and Falcons. Like, so it's kind of it's, it's like not every division works to the point where like it does in college where you have a very clear cut rival. Like Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon, Oregon State, like USC, UCLA. Uh, no, no, no. Oh my God. Don't ever. Okay. First of all, don't ever tell a USC fan that their rival is UCLA. Uh, okay. Notre Dame. Yeah. I, like, Notre Dame. I, yeah. That's it. Uh, they will not hear that. Oh, if Jacob Oldman heard you right now, you would be in big trouble. You'd be in Kevin Jackson's office tomorrow. I'm kidding. You wouldn't be. <laughs> Well, so, but to be fair, I just don't think that that necessarily, but I get the the point. And honestly, it does usually end up working out where lately, at least NFL teams have been playing their divisional games to end the season. Yeah. It's happened the last couple of years. Yeah. They try to as much as possible, which is nice. So, uh, and speaking of nice, how about, do we have one more, Sammy? We, uh, bears fan bears forever 14. Gosh, thoughts on the new draft caps. Like them. You know what? I will tell you this. They're an improvement over last year's because last Last year's year's were horrid. Last year's looked like last year's looked like a uh, like if you're at a gas station, like if you're in Sandwich, Illinois, and some gas station was just trying to to sell a nondescript bears cap. That's what it looked like. Yeah, like not legally, not uh, licensed, like not not licensed. licensed. (laughs) Yeah. It was, yeah, I, no, they're an improvement. Uh, it's the script this year, right? They've got like the, yeah, the script it looks thing. Better. Yeah. 
It looks better. I just, I, I won't get one. This, I, this is definitely a symptom. Ooh, ooh, ooh. See, yeah, I like, the, I like the, first of all, I love the bear head. Uh, they should use that as their primary logo. But I think this is also a symptom of growing up a Bears fan where I just think simpler and more traditional, the better always. Yeah. That's why I love the Bears uniforms. I love, I mean, most of the NFC North really hasn't changed their uniforms all that much, but like the Bears especially have had legitimately the same uniform for a very long time. And it looks yeah. clean, it's simple, and it's timeless. Yeah. And so when I, but I guess that's not the point of draft caps. You know, you get one every year, so it doesn't have to be timeless. It's supposed to be a reflection of that year. But I don't know. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a minimalist person. Yeah. I wear like very like, neutrals most of the time although i've got like neon on today um i just i don't like all this like fuss and and, and whatever so it's better i just mm. yeah Simple that is uh, same I'm, I'm i'm the same way i try to be although i do wear a lot of bold co- i wear bolder colors so uh maybe i don't know what i'm talking about because i would wear something orange i've got an orange hat back there i could throw on as mm-hmm. well that i think is pretty dope okay does bears fan forever 14 does he have another question sammy or are we good to go Give me the thumbs up. I think we're good. Okay. As long as it's speak now or forever, hold your peace. But I want to thank everybody for joining us. We are, you know, it's fun. Um, When I was putting this together and we do a run, believe it or not, I have a rundown for the show. I thought like this was going to be a short show. Like we're, a, you know, next week's going to be like, we're really getting to the, the nuts and bolts of the draft, but it was cool to be able to break down a couple of these things. You missed the Allen Robinson conversation, but I was name dropping mm-hmm. like no other as I like to do. But I appreciate, no, but we appreciate everybody being here. We thank everybody uh, for taking the time to stop by. We'll be back next week. We'll have a Tuesday night show to get us fired up. Maybe we'll have a guest. I'm still trying to get Cynthia Freeland to come on. I know she's very busy. She won't even come out and golf with me. That's how bad it is. But in any event, hopefully we'll have, we'll have another guest on somebody. Maybe Chad Ryder will come back on. But in any event, we thank everybody for being here. And we'll see you next week. And, of course, if you're in the Southern California area, go to Rip Beer Company, the PCH location. If you've liked the show tonight, comment using the word sick. And until next week, bear down. Go ahead and play us out, Sammy. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. 